0: coming up on podcast 1680 odd question is tesla making too many cars stick around we'll try and answer that also on the show today ev brakes fisker's next car and formula e gets ready for its next season with more power and lots more stories on the podcast today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're listening in the world. It's EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information. It's the weekend, Saturday 10th of December. My name is Martin Lee, and I go through every EV story, so you don't have to. We'll start with the news of Tesla's Model 3 in Germany doing really well. Model 3, the most registered EV in Germany last month in November, beating out, well, It was internal competition. You guessed it, the Model Y. The most popular EV last month was Tesla's Model 3, selling 6,811 units in Germany. And that success, according to teslarati.com, is because of demand increasing 44% compared to the same time last year. Tesla has pushed hard in the middle month of the quarter to help achieve its 50% growth target for the year. It's included even even included discounts for the Model 3 and the Model Y in Germany, as the German government is lowering and removing EV incentives and Tesla saying if your vehicle is ordered this year, they will continue to honour those incentives or rather Tesla will make up the shortfall, which will now be missing from the German authorities. So, I mean, a nice thing to do, but also a good thing for sales. Here's a question, though. Headline story, is Tesla making too many vehicles? I'm not sure I fully understand the, uh, the arguments that are raging online right now. But Tesla will suspend Model Y production for a week. In their Shanghai plant, from Christmas Day or December 25th through to New Year's Day, at least Western New Year's, at least, uh, January the 1st, according to an internal memo detailing Tesla's production plans reviewed by Reuters themselves, according to two people familiar with the matter. So what's happening here? Well, sometimes when they shut down for a week or so, they will say that that's because they're doing upgrades to the various production lines. And that could be the same thing here. But they've recently upgraded their 3&Y production lines. So, I mean, there's always more maintenance to do, always more upgrades to do, surely. But the suspension of assembly of Model Y at the end of the month is part of a plan to cut production. Uh, for about 30% in the month of December for the Model Y, just at Shanghai, just at the Shanghai factory. Tesla had kept the output of Model Y at a weekly rate of 13,000 vehicles in November, but that, because of not enough sales, at least domestically in China, caused an increase in inventory. Reporters... And uh, talking to Reuters earlier this week, saying that Tesla planned to cut December output of Model Y, their Shanghai plant, um, from 20% in November, 30% December. The Tesla representative had said the news, which was also reported by Bloomberg earlier this week, as false. But there were many parts to those stories in terms of, well, are you, are you shutting down? are you doing maintenance are you shutting down because you can't sell the vehicles in china are you shutting down because you can't get parts uh, is it true that you are regi- or, you know they just called the whole story false well often there's a middle ground in these stories and often it is in the middle where things are you know normally settle out so but what do you think i mean I understand that the, the the argument rages online because it's, it gets into the financial side of, uh, of Tesla. But I had a look online, and again, you know, we're now into the second week of December, and I can still get a brand new Tesla delivered this month, which is unheard of. And it has been like, like that for a few weeks. The inventory pages of Tesla GB, because I wasn't looking at the European site, it's just Great Britain, Again, they're pretty packed, full of inventory cars. And by that, I mean new cars that have been built but haven't got an owner yet. So you could argue that, yes, maybe Tesla is making too many vehicles. And I say too many you know, in relation to what? what's the context. Too many for how many buyers that are out there. Now, of course, there will be more buyers if they lower prices. And that is something that I've sort of skirted around for the last few weeks on this podcast. But I think I'm going to make a pretty firm prediction that sometime... In Q1, and I'm tempted to say sometime in January, we will see significant discounts of Teslas. And by significant, I mean at least double digits. Oh, there you go. I've said it. Well, look, you know, on a 50 grand car, that would mean a five, you know, 10%, double digit, 10%, a 5,000 pound discount. That's a heck of a prediction. I may well be wrong, but I'll stick my neck out there and say, look, all the indicators that I'm seeing, you know, the used car prices are going down. uh, There's the recession. There's inflation. Huge amount of production coming out of China. Berlin is ramping up. I think the idea of Tesla making too many cars might seem strange, obviously, because I don't own one and I'd absolutely love one. So here's a potential buyer. But I think at the prices they are asking at the moment, then maybe they are making too many cars. If they lower the prices, they won't be making enough. And it depends on supply chains. There you go. Interesting question to pose today. I'd love to hear your your thoughts. What's the magic price point to get into a Model Three? It Used to be forty grand, and even then I thought, whoa, that's a bit of a stretch. You know that price has severely escalated now, and you know it's over fifty grand to get into a Model Y. That's real for for me luxury, luxury territory. If you're spending that much money on a brand new car, you get an amazing vehicle for that rather than, you know, if you want the EV experience, the big screen and the amazing app and all the wonderful goodness that Tesla brings, then go for that. But, uh, you know, if you want some luxury in your vehicle, your 50 grand goes a really long way. So, there you go. That's my prediction. We'll revisit that at the end of March. and You can go, ha ha, you were wrong, podcast boy. OK, let's move on. And Continental's new green calipers for EV brakes are next in the news. As EVs become more popular, companies are looking for ways to get every last bit of efficiency and range out of the vehicles. And now we can have a look at how much efficiency is coming from the new Continental brakes. The calipers... Specifically, uh, they've colored them green. I'm sure you can get them in other colors. Are uh, More compact and lighter than what they make for combustion vehicles. But they have the same deceleration power. And that's important because EVs slow down, as you know, mostly with regeneration. But when you do stamp on the middle pedal, well, the left pedal, uh, you want it to stop. And EVs are, are typically very heavy. And so you need beefy brakes to stop the vehicle. You don't want beefy brakes because that makes them heavy. But Continental say they've lowered the mass. Two kilograms per brake caliber uh, have been uh, taken out in terms of the uh, lower mass and uh, new reduced friction. Between the brake pads and the brake discs, they're smaller, they're thinner, they wear out more slowly. They are designed for electric vehicles. Just another way that the supply chain is kind of catching up in a way uh, with electric vehicles, as EVs are still so new, significantly thinner uh, brakes on uh, their new technology they've unveiled here, uh, which say that you can go uh, further on a brake disc, which already was going a very long way, because, like I say, EVs are using regen. Fisker are next in the news, offering a new look at their upcoming vehicle, the Ronin, which claims it'll have the longest range of any production EV. Well, big claim. A render of the four-door convertible is on their website right now. According to ngadget.com, the image shows the Ronin from the front corner view with a light strip wrapping around the front and dihedral front doors. So, in other words, hinged at the front, and they lift upwards and outwards. Uh, the Ronin has a 660-mile WLTP range, which when it goes on sale, they say will be the most. Uh, the production-ready concept uh, will be shown off for after summer next year. Production 2024, starting price 200 grand. So you're talking this level of vehicle, but it's okay. They are at the other end of the scale making uh, the five-seat Pair, PEAR, P-E-A-R, PEAR vehicle, uh, which starts at twenty dollars that's dollars, so $30,000, before any incentives as well. Let's talk Formula E. And the World Championship pre-season testing happens early next week with the arrival of the Gen 3 cars, We now know a bit more about what the next era of Formula E will bring us. It's in Valencia uh, from the 13th to the 16th of December, the pre-season test. They are definitely going to have to work through some gremlins because it's new technology. I'd be surprised if they all hit the track and everything works perfectly, whether that is battery or software and management and various things. Um, the first public running of the Gen 3 cars of Formula E. They are the fastest and most powerful uh, to date. New driver changes as well. The champion, Stoffel van Dorn, He is t- making his way uh, down from the front of the grid to the back of the grid. Why would you go to the back of the grid? Well, actually, the, the team at the back of the grid um, is uh, is doing rather interesting things and won't be at the back this year. Uh, but still, it's a big a big leap of faith for the defending champion. Uh, going to DS Penske alongside John Eric Verne. I told you they're employing some really good people. Uh, there's a new team at Nissan-powered Neom McLaren. So McLaren bought the Mercedes team because Mercedes left Formula E and therefore there's no Mercedes powertrain for them to run, although it's the Mercedes team wearing McLaren gear, and running Nissan Power. Uh, Nissan also taking full control of the EDAM's outfit, and it will be Nissan and Cupra getting together with ABD. Uh, So lots of things to talk about with Formula E next year. We hope that the cars are, uh, we know they'll be even more impressive. We hope they're reliable. Formula E, by the way, is uh, dropping uh, its weight dropped to just 850 kilograms and increasing the maximum power to 300 kilowatts uh, during the race. 350 kilowatts during qualifying and attack mode. Also, loads of regen. So, uh, 600 kilowatts of regen. Up from 250, so some serious stopping power. And 40% of the energy used in a race will be recuperated. Uh, One of the cars we're looking forward to seeing is the Porsche, which is called the 99X Gen 3 car. And they've added a uh, a motor on the front axle for the first time in Formula E. Doesn't make the car's four-wheel drive, though. That front motor, not used for propulsion, purely for regen. So 350 kilowatt motor on the rear, 250 on the front for just tons and tons of energy recovery. Right, coming up on the podcast soon, we'll talk about how well EVs are doing in China and why Uh, Colorado is aiming for 100% EVs without ever banning petrol. Stick around those stories and more are on the way. Next, we'll talk Volkswagen. And look, all the big car makers do this, but have their own charging network if you like but they're not they're not Tesla supercharging networks not putting chargers in the ground. Uh, They're investing in companies like Ionity. Uh, But Volkswagen have theirs called Elli, or it's E-L-L-I. I I think that's how I say it. No one from VW has ever told me how to say their charging network. Uh, They've now gone out and done deals with 400,000 charging points. So with one account, you can get access to those across Europe. 800 providers in 27 countries, all under the VW Elli umbrella. And uh, just added Fastned, the Dutch fast charging specialist, And Vattenfall as well, the Swedish company. They've entered into large numbers of alliances and partnerships, including Enel in Italy, Iberdrola in Spain, BP, Arniti, as I mentioned as well. Let's go to China next, where EVs are still doing so well. Sales of EVs reaching a new high, in fact, in November, according to estimates by the China Passenger Car Association. 732,000 EVs were sold last month in November. Over 50,000 more than the previous month in October. They don't distinguish between pure BEVs and plug-in hybrids, but we know that BEVs are doing better than plug-in hybrids in China. And the China Association of Automobile Manufacturers, different organization, do publish those statistics And their total number is slightly different, which is 786, but still that's huge, 786,000 EVs. And they do distinguish between uh, BEVs and plug-in hybrids. And they say 615,000 BEVs and 170,000 plug-in hybrids in the month of November in China. Mega. Now, workers at an EV battery plant in Ohio have just voted to unionize. According to the New York Times, in an early test of Biden's promise that the move to EV will create high-paying union jobs. It looks like that is true. Employees at the battery plant in eastern Ohio have voted to join the United Automobile Workers Union. The outcome appears to create the first formal union, a major US electric car, truck or battery manufacturing plant not owned by one of the big three. The factory is technically owned by Ultium Cells, a joint venture with General Motors and LG. Uh, President Biden putting out a statement after the vote saluting the workers of the Ultium plant, saying uh, that American and union workers will lead the world in manufacturing once again. Of course, the likes of Tesla, Rivian, Lucid, not unionized under the union's contract with the big three, though. uh, A a worker, a rank-and-file, production worker. Makes about $32 an hour. Uh, new hires obviously start lower, but you can work your way up over many years to get to $32 an hour. That sounds to me like a well-paying production job to me. Uh, less clear how successful the union will be at organising other new EV plants to join the union, like the Ultium factory in Tennessee or those being built by Ford and SK in Kentucky and Tennessee. Political cultures change around the US, and so we'll be watching those. And Colorado is aiming for 100% EVs, but they won't be banning gasoline, Debuting their plan two days ago on Thursday, uh, they foresee the internal combustion engine phased out by 2050 on Colorado uh, roads. The state is the first in the country to make electric bicycles a plank of their EV strategy, according to news.nets Upgrading two-wheelers into state-level planning uh, that revolves around normally cars and trucks, but adding in bikes as well. Big outdoor culture in Colorado, of course, and a landlocked and fossil fuel-heavy heavy state. Uh, going really big on decarbonizing. Well done, Colorado. Great news. Question of the week. I'll take a break, but it will return. And thanks to our premium partners for getting the show on the air and all of our Patreon support. Uh, that'll be you, Phil Roberts of Electric Future at ef.energy. Brad Crosby Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati Audi of Cincinnati East Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East National Car Charging on the US Mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii Derek Riley's EV Review Island YouTube channel Richard over at rsev.co.uk for buying and selling EVs in the UK Octopus Electric Universe Global Public Charging Made Simple You get one app and one map at Millbrookottages.co.uk Five Star Luxury Cottages in Devon and Lease Plan Electric Moments providing all the tools and guidance that EV drivers need. And they'll be featuring on a future Saturday special, hopefully uh, this time next week. Have a good and see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.